enter the world of mind your own marketing business. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best. George is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from mobile and uh, application development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we'll be talking with Dave Annis from Parallax. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Dave, um, our history goes back a, a number of years in, in past lives, but I'd love to hear a little bit um, about uh, where you are now at Parallax. What's the 10,000 foot view of what you're doing there? And then um, how did you get there? Yeah, awesome. Um, well, yeah, for, well, thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll kind of give you the what is Parallax and how I got here quick. Um, so Parallax is a um, it's a software you know product. Uh, we're a SaaS startup um, and the product is really built uh, specifically for digital agencies and and tech consultancies to help them, um, you know, basically do better pricing and planning, uh, project accounting and resource management, um, with the aim of helping them sort of adapt the best practices. We believe help um, these kinds of agencies and consultancies grow more confidently. Um, and sort of how we ended up getting here is um, I started my career. Um, you know, well, way all the way back in, you know, at the University of Minnesota, I was in, I worked for the, the, the campus newspaper, but I worked specifically on sort of the marketing side of things and, and then um, ended there, um, you know, selling digital ads and stuff. Um, and then from there, I ended up getting, I lucked out and was able to land an internship at an agency in town here called Fallon. Um, in their inner, what was called the interactive department at the time. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we were a small, you know, crew there that were sort of experimenting and sort of, on a lot of cases, sort of doing really innovative work in the digital space, um, but um, but was still sort of more traditional advertising. Um, and from there, I left uh, Fallon to go start an organization, a company in Minneapolis here called Zeus Jones with some former Fallon um, leadership and um I was there for 12 years and grew it, you know, helped to grow that company from uh, five people to about 50 people, 55 people um, with a real focus on sort of modern marketing um, uh, and uh, sort of brand and brands and business product strategy. Um, and I ended up uh, kind of graduating up the chain there from a producer to a managing director and partner Um and um, ultimately ran into the same challenge that all all of us who sort of operate these agencies run into of like not knowing what the future looked like, um, not knowing, you know, when to hire exactly and um, or, or having a lot of those kind of questions and conversations and, and ultimately ended up um, having this opportunity to start this company with my really good friend and business partner, Tom O'Neill. Uh, who used to run another company in town here called the Nerdery, which I think most people know about. Correct. Um, so that's where that's the quick-ish uh, version of the story. Cool. And and one of my all throughout, the, I feel like you're you're a few years older than me. And and if I would have gotten into this world when you did, I think everybody and their uncle worked or wanted to work at Fallon. So <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a, a very popular place to work in a very successful organization, particularly probably around the turn of the century. So um, 
that's really cool that you got your start there and then kind of broke off and, and did your own thing with some other partners. And and for those of you who are listening and don't know Zeus Jones, it's a very uh, well-known group here in Minneapolis as well that does some awesome work. So uh, look them up at Z-E-U-S Jones. Um, so the other thing I like to ask almost everybody that comes on the show, Dave, is what's the coolest thing you've done in your career? Hmm. Wow. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work on a lot of really cool projects. Um, and I, I should know this one because I think I even, <laughs> I, I'd, uh, I thought about, I, well, we cool. talked about, yeah, the thing that we crossed paths on and talked about earlier was, um, the product advisory council and like how that, that, and I know, I know about it because my team was there in Chicago as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that I think that's been definitely one of the coolest and definitely the most influential thing that I've been a part of recently. And um, what we learned early on in this uh, on Parallax was, you know, we had our own perspective about the challenges that come along with operating and growing these kinds of agencies, but we didn't want to rely on our own experience uh, alone. Um, and we learned from um, actually one of our lead investors, one of their tech partners, um, a strategy where they built this product advisory council um, to help them really shape the product. And that's been a, a, a key part of our success so far and just a ton of fun. So we have a, we sort of recruited very, you know, agencies and consultancies of various sizes and focuses, you know, about a hundred, actually over a hundred of them now. And we, we hold up, we hold these like meetups. Yeah. You guys are at the one in Chicago and um, I, I believe maybe even attended one of the ones we've done in Minneapolis where we just have conversations about the future of our industry, the tools that, you know, either exist or we wish existed and use those conversations to inform our product. And we just learned a ton and connected with so many cool people through that, that uh, building that product advisory council. No, and it kind of aligns with one of my um, perfect or one of my favorite sayings that that I use and in sitting in a sales seat is if you ask for money, people will give you advice. And if you ask for advice, people will give you money. Mm-hmm. And so my guess is just like the Fjords team, a number of your advisors are your clients. Yeah, and yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, we, I, it's funny you use that phrase. We use that here all the time too. Um, and, and exactly for that reason, you're right. Um, yeah, we've been able to can, you know, can have uh, been fortunate enough to convert a good number of like the, our product advisors into actual customers, um, especially the ones that sort of fit our current, you know, ideal customer profile, if you will. Got it. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to pause there for a second and ask you, what is your, ideal customer and i'm curious because we are one Mm -hmm. um or just onboarding parallax um what what is the ideal target for your platform yeah for sure um so it's evolving but right now you know we best serve sort of those professional service organizations specifically like digital agencies software you know custom software development shops um and, you know, technology consultancies that are, you know, between about 50 and 150 billable employees. Um, that's kind of um, in our wheelhouse. And especially those ones that are really um, trying to figure out how they grow in a way that still supports their their people, their culture, um, and, um, 
you know, aligns with their ambitions. So that's uh, that's kind of the current focus. And as we work with our, our product advisory council members, some of those folks represent much larger organizations and they're helping us sort of build out the sort of roadmap and feature set to, to support some of those um, larger, you know, both tech, con- larger tech consultancies, but also some of those larger internal um, operation teams. Got it. What are the, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just so curious about this, this platform. What, what problems do you feel like it solves best? I know you kind of went high level, but maybe a little bit more like what are the pain points you hear from teams like ours that say, Oh, you're a good fit for this. Yeah. Um, I think it really, you know, starts with sort of where they fall on what we call sort of this maturity model, right? Like we all, most of us at least kind of, probably started our, 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 our organization because we, you know, had a point of view on how best to deliver really great work. You know, we had a, a point of view on the craft. And um, and so that's where we start. And, you know, we kind of, through just like brute force and heroic effort, you know, succeed and we do great work. And when we do great work, we end up um, having more opportunities. We hire more people to, to make good on those opportunities. And the next thing you know, we find ourselves needing to be more measured and consistent in the way that we operate, right? The way that we actually get work and deliver work to keep these amazing people that we've hired, you know, um, happy and engaged. And with that sort of growth, uh, a lot of things start to happen. And we talk about this with a lot of folks and everyone's like, man, you must be bugging our conference room. We just, we had that same conversation yesterday, but it's like the, you know, like the sales folks like you, right, are out there, and you're really bullish about the future. You're like, we have all these great opportunities, you know, um, and all we need to do is be aggressive in sort of how we uh, bid them. And then the delivery folks, your engineers and project managers are like, you know, um, already feeling redlined potentially or at capacity, uh, or at least some of them do. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa you know, slow down. Let's, let's, uh, you know, let's try to, if we're going to win this, let's bid it so that we can actually afford some help maybe or some training or whatever. Um, and then you've got HR that's, that's you're like, well, we're going to hire some people. Well, what kind of people do you want to hire? You, you know, you last, last quarter you wanted, you know, Java developers, this quarter you want something else. Like, who is it? You know, and then the CFO or the people looking at the books are looking at utilization and they're concerned that, well, our utilization actually doesn't support this idea that we're super busy. So why are we hiring? Let's wait till, you know, till Joe Lamp brings in all this new work and then we'll think about hiring. And the joke that we talk about is like that all those people, they're correct. They're right. You know, and it's because as we grow our sort of point of view, the, the part of the business that we see um, gets a little bit more, you know, more narrow. Um, and so because we sort of see the business from different angles and have different context, those sort of strategic decisions often become kind of more emotional than you would hope they would be. Right. Because we're, it feels like we have every opportunity in the world. It feels like we're super busy. It feels like we're not making enough money. Um, and so what Parallax is honestly built to do is to help create And this. I know this all sounds like marketing speak, but like a shared perspective, right? That we can all agree on sort of what, you know, using data and, a, and, and, and connecting some of these systems like CRM and timesheets and whatever project management tools and accounting to, um, create a shared perspective that we can all agree on. And then we can just be less emotional about the decisions and more strategic and um, give 
creates higher engagement because we all feel more invested in part of the story. We all believe the same story. We're all reading the same book, you know? And, um, and then we feel like we're, you know, we're back to that, that feeling we had when we were smaller, where it was kind of one team, you know, at Zeus, we, we would call that, we all sat around one table because we did literally. Um, um, but as you grow the table, you can't have that big of a table. <laughs> right. And so, so we start to, we want to develop tools to help um, create that shared perspective. No, cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I was at that table at Fjords when we were three people too. And yep. so I know what you mean. Um, but I also, in, and tell me if this maybe is, a, you know, my team getting a slight look at this shared perspective. But for the first time in our quarterly whole company meeting, uh, we could predict what financials are going to look like three and six months out. And yeah. is that something that Parallax is helping with? And maybe that's why I saw this information from my finance team as well. That's 100% the goal. Yeah, it's like you know, when you can be more predictive about the future, um, both financially, like not just like what's the dollar amount we might have, but like when might we get those dollars in? So, because there's a difference between booking a sale, right. And actually earning revenue. So like being able to sort of understand when that's going to happen is, is gives you the confidence to make some bets on growth, right? Like if you're constantly hiring behind revenue, then you're constantly feeling really busy, but you also don't want to hire too far out because then the worst thing happens where you might have to, you know, restructure or let people go. And that's, mm -hmm. that's no one likes that. And so trying to find the ability to forecast, um, you know, accurately um, and then, and have those forecasts be sort of in real time is incredibly valuable to just provide that confidence. Cause that's really what we want. We, we want to make sure that we're making good decisions that support um, the business and ultimately support the people that are working in those businesses. At least that's how we feel. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that that, you know, that, you know, when I was looking at the, where we were all preparing to give our parts of the, the quarterly meeting, I was like, wow, that's the first time I've seen like what might happen next quarter. Yeah. And I know that's from onboarding uh, partially from onboarding this. And then that's that shared vision. Oh, okay. We, if we know what's going to happen, or can predict at a high level of confidence, then I know when I sell something that it's going to get done or, exactly. you know, the other things that, and, and that creates that shared vision. Okay. Yeah. So one other thing, I think you have an interesting perspective because a lot of our listeners are agency folks. Um, knowing this software now and what it does to help improve processes in a shared, going back to Dave who used to work at an agency what have been some aha moments in like talking to a hundred different agencies and seeing the things that you wish you knew five years ago that you know now from having all of this information rather than just your unit of information? Yeah, man, uh, the, the, the list is super long. You know, I've learned more. <laughs> I've learned so much more in the last like, <clears throat> pardon me. In the last couple of years, you know, uh, on this journey about sort of the operational side of agencies um, than I, you know, ever did because, you know, mostly I was focused on the craft and doing good work for client work. And so the thing, the biggest sort of learning I had is that I often felt that I had no idea what I was doing. 
that I was just like doing it wrong. Like this operations thing, like that I like, I just assumed that everybody else had this figured out and I was just kind of like faking it till I make it. Um, what I, what I've learned is that everyone or a vast majority of folks feel that same, that feel that same way, especially when their agencies are, you know, sort of in those early on that sort of earlier side of that maturity. Um, and so my instinct was to try to kind of reinvent a lot of wheels when in reality, what I, I think um, what I've learned is there's a ton of best practices out there specific to operations that would have freed up so much time to stay focused on the craft, the doing of the work, you know. Um, and some of those sort of best practices are around like, you know, you know, on a pretty regular, consistent basis, like reevaluating the resource plan for a project. You know, we recommend like weekly, like, OK, this is what we thought the resource needs were going to be when we started. How has that changed this week? And the and acknowledging the fact that that's going to change weekly, and because we know the least about a project at the beginning of the project, we know the most about it probably about halfway through, right? So, so be okay with that, but do make the adjustment. Um, I think another best practice is, you know, if at all possible, um, try not to wait until we right before we close the deal um, to um, inform delivery and resource people about what that project might look like so we can sort of be less reactive in the way that we staff those projects and more proactive to build you know not only like profitable teams but also like we we talk about it here as like team alchemy like if if we were more proactive we could try harder to structure a team that will work well together or give people opportunities for growth or opportunities to lead or whatever um, and so those are, those are two. And I think in order to do that, there, um, at least in my previous lives, I was, I was resistant to the idea of like, um, standardizing the process for doing the work because it was like, no, every customer is very unique. Every opportunity is very unique. And that's true. But the way in which we go about, um, coming up with those amazing solutions, that is or can be more consistent. And we probably use the same kinds of teams and sort of same kinds of variations. And actually thinking about that as a differentiator and selling the, the approach and the process um, is valuable in and of itself. And so I think those are some of the big takeaways I've learned the last few years here. Cool. Um, and sorry if I'm jumping the gun here, but do you have any like success story. I know you're relatively early in getting people onboarded to truly hear these awesome, like, this has changed the world here. Um, but have you had any early, like, ahas from CEOs and, and that kind of thing? Or maybe even my brother, uh, who's CEO <laughs> of our organization. I, I yeah. know it's new. We probably have, don't have any big ahas. But what have you heard so far from people with those, like, wow, this is so cool. I could do X, Y, and Z. What are the, what are some like aha moments there? Yeah, um, no, I think that that's been one of the biggest, like most gratis, gratis, gratifying, gratifying. There we go. Um, there you go. Things is that um, you know is is hearing about the sort of the impact that we're been able to per, to at least help with. You know, with a lot of these a lot of our customers. You know, the vast majority of them. Um, our goal is to be able to get like referenceable customers after you know within six months and. Um, you know, in, in general, I think we've been able to do that, like 
everyone who we ask has been really stoked, which is great. Um, I think one of the, one that comes to mind is, um, you know, we had a, a, a customer that we work with. Um, they're about a hundred people or so, and they've been kind of their revenue and sort of their sort of performance metrics, we'll just call it generally, were sort of kind of flat for the last like five years, not bad, but flat. And, um, and they just kind of head scratching, like, can't, how do we get some growth? And, um, you know, so we started working with them. Um, and a year after being on Parallax platform for like a full year, um, they were able to increase their, um, their project margin by over a hundred, a hundred percent. Um, and the way they were able to do that was just by finally, being proactive about the the sort of project margin on those early deals. So the fact that the sales folks were going in and sort of um, because of Parallax allows you to sort of make some really, really, really early resource plans attached to the sales deals. Um, they were able to input those a lot earlier and kind of get ahead of that and actually see what their project margin was at all in general. Like a lot of people think about margin, you know, at, holistically the whole company what was our how much you know what was our profit at the end of the year or maybe quarterly maybe maybe monthly but mostly annually or quarterly and what we're saying is like no you should be thinking about each one of these customers as like a little mini pnl right it's a mini business and um and when they were able to start thinking that way they were able to dial in the profit margin um by by um like i said 100 percent without giving up the sort of secret sauce for how they deliver work, right? It didn't, it, in fact, it improved it because they've also grown. They've added like, I think 30% more people on top of it while growing the project margin and brought in just flat out growth, like another, I think it was like 45% revenue growth too in that year. So. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think what you're getting at is, you know, when we're, we're a, a dev team for those who don't know, and, and we work in a whole bunch of different technologies. Well, when technologies come in, it doesn't mean that it can go to anyone. Right. And so if we have, let's say you're hiring five people this quarter, but the operations team can see from the sales team that five of those projects are in Sitecore. Mm -hmm. And usually there's one okay, if I'm going to hire somebody, I might be looking at people that have some experience in Sitecore. And that means that when we sell those projects, the, the right skill set matches the project. And we have just made that margin up because that person is going to be more efficient at that work. Exactly. And I think that's an example of what you're getting at and what we're looking forward to in, in using the platform. 100%. Um, I think there's another benefit there just from an employee standpoint of like, as you start to see trends in that, you're probably going to invest in the stuff that has higher profitability or more growth potential. But if I'm as an employee, as an engineer, don't like for, let's say Sitecore is on the rise and I don't do Sitecore development, I might want to know that as an engineer because I, I don't want to be out of a job because I love Fjords, right? Or so yeah, if I can see, oh no, this is kind of our near future for the next year, maybe I might start doing some cross training. I might start doing some, cause I know these guys, at least our team, like this is not just a job. The engineering is a, a passion too. And so like they, they learn on their own, you know? Um, and uh, I think that's, that's the pro one of the big promises for me is to keep people engaged and honestly just happy in their work. So yeah. Yeah. 
That's cool. That's cool. Well, Dave, um, that's all the time we have uh, on the show. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's great to learn more as it hits home really quickly. Um, for all of you out there listening, um, you can uh, reach Dave at Dave at GetParallax.com or simply GetParallax.com. Um, and thank you to our listeners uh, you can down for for joining us. You can download episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com and going towards the blog, or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thank you again so much for your time, Dave, and best of luck to you and your team at Parallax. Thank you very much, Joe. It's always a pleasure, and I really appreciate the time. <laughs>